0: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 24. Today, I am interviewing Alyssa Thiel of Paris Chic Boutique. We get to talk all about the slow climb from Etsy seller to full-time empire, and Alyssa opens up about how her persistence paid off in making the biggest things happen and what to do when someone tells you no.
1: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses, so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher.
0: Hey, Gold Diggers, it is Jenna Kutcher, and I am so excited today to be hanging out with Alyssa Thiel of Paris Chic Boutique. Alyssa and I connected over Instagram a few years ago. We got to meet in person at a workshop and I have absolutely loved watching her journey with her little boutique that is not so little anymore. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thanks, Jenna. And I'm just so honored. So her and her sweet husband, Dan live in New Jersey. They have a sweet dog and her team has just grown exponentially and Alyssa creates so many amazing things for your home from pillows to blankets to really cute aprons. And you've just really expanded your line. So let's kick this off. And I just want you to tell the audience your story, kind of how Paris Chic Boutique started and where it's gone to in the last year, because you, my friend, have had a crazy
1: year. (laughs) Aw, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's been a really exciting, crazy year for sure. I guess I started the shop Almost five years ago now, four and a half years ago. It looks totally different than <laughs> what it does now. We, we're living in the suburbs of Chicago. My husband and I both grew up there. And so we got married pretty young. I started this little shop just out of our one bedroom apartment. And it's just kind of funny to think back because I literally had all my sewing supplies in a Rubbermaid bin that I would pull out. And every time I got an order, I would make stuff just in our living room, take out my sewing machine, and just really doing all of it from start to finish. And I was still taking classes at a local community college at the time. And it's just a little shop on Etsy. It was really just a hobby for me. I never in a million years thought it would be what it is today. And so, yeah, that was, you know, back four and a half years ago. And fast forward to today where, I mean, it took a lot of steps to get there. I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but my husband works full time with me. Now we have three amazing employees who work with us daily at the shop. And we just hired our 10th seamstress too. So I am no longer sewing, thank the Lord. It's actually (laughs) so funny that I started a shop sewing when I hate sewing. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's just been this huge blessing that, you know, has kind of just grown over time and we're still learning, you know, so much on the daily basis as I'm sure you can relate to. But it's just been this really amazing blessing to watch grow from where it started to where it is now. That's incredible. And what I have just
0: really enjoyed about watching your journey and what I think a lot of people could relate to is from the outside looking in, it it looks like overnight success. Does that make sense? <laughs> like you see people and you're like, how did this blow up? But right, like right. you said, like you've been doing this for five years. Yeah. It's, and it's been this slow progression of daily hustle day in and day out. So Kind of talk about, you know, what this last year has held for you because you went from having a smaller product offering to really incredibly expanding from, you know, home accessories to cosmetic bags, pillows, throws, candles, wall decor. So what has that looked like in terms of growth and how have you kind of transitioned the shop from being this little Etsy shop that could to this much bigger brand and vision?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny to hear you say that it looks like overnight, because maybe part of that reason is I've deleted everything that ever happened in the first, (laughs) you know, three years. (laughs) And just like the photos and the, I don't know, just the funny old websites to look through. It's really cool to see, you know, the growth that happens, but just how I just started somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, that's a huge thing that people don't get is that it's not just perfect off the bat you know everyone starts somewhere and I'm completely embarrassed of <laughs> what it started as looking <laughs> at it now at the time I thought it was perfect but yeah I think you know so going back to that little apartment outside of Chicago area I just thought it would be this hobby and I kind of started it I was working at one of my mom's friends had their own business at the time where they did these amazing like cheerleading bows for high school competitions success and So I was still working there while I was taking some of my gen eds and stuff at the college. And I think they're one of the foundation, like the building blocks that gave me that kind of spark to do my own business too. And so at the time I opened my Etsy shop, I was working there, I was going to school and it was just this hobby. I mentioned before that my husband and I got married pretty young. And so we moved into our first little home together and literally had no money to spend on, you know, anything for our house, let alone home decor. And so I just started making from the furniture to the pallet bed to tons of throw pillows. And I was coming off this like DIY wedding high. And so I would throw like unity candles in there and painted wood signs and pretty much just anything that I wanted to make for the home is what I started selling in our Etsy shop. And it wasn't until my husband said to like, you know, I've never seen a pillow like this before. I think other people would be interested in putting this in their home, too. And, you know, very slowly, like my mom wanted a pillow and, you know, friends and family were asking me for them. And so I originally started the Etsy's shop just as a way to kind of collect money from family and friends instead of because I'm terrible at being like, yes, pay me for my craft. I please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like handing things, giving them away. And so that's when I finally opened the Etsy shop and honestly had no vision of it being anything bigger than that. And like I said, I was still in school, so I was doing tests and homework and all that. And my husband had just joined the military, so we were kind of waiting for his date to go to boot camp. So we were both kind of just doing these, you know, random jobs, like I mentioned before, and didn't really know where we were going to be stationed or where the military was going to take us. In my mind, what finally convinced me to open this Etsy shop was just that I could take it wherever I wanted. It would be, you know, work and a little bit of income that would kind of travel wherever we were stationed. And then also just, you know, my ultimate goal was to be a stay at home mom. And I saw myself being a mom pretty early on in our marriage. And so I was like, I'll have this Etsy shop for a couple years and then I'll be a mom and I can close it down and, you know, happily ever after. <laughs> so I never, ever really saw it turning into anything. And He got sent to basic training maybe like four months after that. And so I moved back in with my parents just for a few months while he was gone and was just really growing this shop again. And I actually stopped doing school because I was missing out on orders and sales because I had like homework and tests to take, which is really (laughs) funny. (laughs) That's amazing. yeah, I think it was at that point that I realized if I'm missing out on sales and I can really give my time and my dedication to this shop, like imagine what it actually could be instead of just a hobby. Yeah, I stopped taking classes after that semester and I just continued to grow it in my own way. It's just a reflection of the things I liked still. And I think when it really changed is when my husband came on board with me. And so fast forward maybe like two, two and a half years after opening the shop is when my husband came on board and he was transitioning out of active duty So he did about two, two and a half years in the Air Force, and then he was transitioning over into the National Guard. In that, like, in between time, he wasn't sure. He was just finishing up his degree and wasn't sure if he wanted to go out and look for a job. But he was also kind of intrigued by, you know, this business I started. And I think from the very beginning, he's kind of been the one who saw it as something bigger, where I just saw it as a hobby, and so he was always, you know, my encouragement and that voice in the back of my head that was saying like, you should hire a shipper or you should hire someone to do, you know, the monotonous tasks that you are wasting your time doing when you could be designing new products or designing new lines or dreaming up a bigger business. And so I think it, yeah, ultimately it was him when he came on board and he is a business student. And so he always had those ideas and goals in the back of his head and it was when he stopped working in the air force full time that he really helped me turn the hobby into a business because before him i literally <laughs> knew nothing i was just so much more of the creative you know hobbyist that was selling her crafts that she likes to make in the spare bedroom of the house and i knew nothing about bookkeeping or that i even needed to have a separate banking account or you know like any of those <laughs> number crunching dreaming goals and so when my husband joined me i guess that was in 2000 2000- Fifteen, and that's when the business really became a business. And he brought on the wholesale aspect, so that like doubled our business, you know, very quickly because we were not only selling to retailers and daily customers, but also wholesalers. And then I think just the both of us being able to dream about it and, you know, live up to those goals and converse about it and talk about it and dream together is when it really took off. And so many other things stem from that, you know, like moving it out of the house and him convincing me to hire employees and all that fun stuff. But yeah, I think he's a big contributor to all that. And he doesn't always get the credit for it. So he's the business mind. I'm more of like the design and able to focus on newer products and all that stuff. So that's so
0: cool. Yeah, I love that. And you know, one of the reasons why I love teaching even on this podcast is because I do feel like so many people are like you where you know, you have this passion and then slowly people are like, you need to have a shop or I want to buy this, or I want to hire you for this. And slowly you start running this business, but you never really started with a plan or, or you never really understood like how to get it set up or what profitability even was, or, you know, all those things. Like, you're just like, this is awesome. I'm getting paid to do right, what right. I love," which is pretty much <laughs> the best feeling in the world. And so I love that. And I think that it's so great that he can help you in that side of things so that you can really focus and get back to doing what you love to do and getting back to being in that business in the way that you are best
1: yeah and that's exactly what it is because then I had time you know I didn't know calligraphy before I started the home decor shop so I was actually sewing pillows with just computer generated fonts and things like that before I even ever dabbled with calligraphy and hand lettering. And so once I was able to hire people on and have my husband there, he was even like answering customer service and shipping for me for a while. That's when I was able to explore more creative outlets like calligraphy and, you know, designing new products like aprons or whatever it may be. When I first met you was when you were doing more fonts and stuff because I have
0: some of your work in my home <laughs> and it's like the pillows and stuff that were the font. So it is so cool to see how you've been able to kind of stretch your creative muscles in different ways now that you're not so bogged down with shipping or, you know, those other tasks. So what have you learned in terms of since now you have three people on your team and you started kind of outsourcing more What have you learned, like where do you serve your business best and what are the things that are so great to have off of your plate?
1: Yeah, there's so many things. I mean, you know, there's so much involved in a business and as it grows, those things just keep adding to the plate. (laughs) (laughs) And so at the beginning, you know, I was doing it all from cutting the fabric to sewing the fabric to designing the designs to transferring the designs onto the fabric to packaging it up to shipping it out to answering custom order requests, you know, there's just so many, especially, I don't know, in a product based business, I guess so many daily tasks that needs to get checked, that you can, you know, very easily forget about future growth and Mm -hmm. turning your company into something bigger, or even just releasing new lines so that your returning customers are coming back. And so it took me a while to get here. And I think that even during busy seasons, you know, like for us holiday season and different areas like that, I find myself kind of back into the mundane of shipping and producing. But where I see myself best and where our business grows best is when I'm just, you know, designing on new phrases, keeping up with kind of like the fun, homey trends, or even new products, new fabric. Me and my husband are really working this year to just find the best of the best products we want to offer. Like we have our pillow, but is there a fabric out there that's better? Or is there a quality that's better. So I think just really like refining our products and kind of taking ourselves out of the daily tasks and just refocusing on where the growth is and what the future looks like and how we get there, whether that's through, you know, photo shoots of showing off our products or, you know, we're mostly e-commerce. So a lot of our customers are very visual. So it's just important for me to like put together photo shoots and a lot of visual content and lots of You know, we just did like a Valentine's Day themed Instagram post. So just keeping all that content fresh, which at the beginning of my business, I didn't even know were jobs (laughs) that I would need to set aside weeks to design a Christmas line or, you know, anything like that. So that's where I find I'm most creative, too, because it's just content that's, you know, consistently fresh and new. So whether it's a new Christmas design every year or new Instagram bloggers that I'm reaching out to, to put the products in their house, it's just stuff that's always new. And that's what keeps me excited and keeps my creative juices flowing too. Sometimes I just felt like caught in a creative drought. If I was doing those mundane tasks of shipping or even just answering customer service. I mean, I do love my customers, but a lot of it is just like, when is this going to ship or why isn't my package here yet? And I think that doing just those tasks on a daily basis just kind of drains me creatively to where then I don't have the energy to pick up my pen and start doing new designs. So it's really nice to not be in those daily tasks now that we have an amazing team who totally does all of that
0: for us. Isn't that crazy? And it's funny too, because I think, you know, I'm a huge believer in outsourcing and hiring. And it's funny because when we first start doing that, like the expense of it scares the crap out of you. Like, you're like, wait, it costs how much? But you don't realize (laughs) how much more profitable you can be when you're serving your business where you serve best. And so it's really cool to be able to speak to so many businesses and so many of my friends who have just really seen big growth because A lot of it comes when you are finally releasing the control grip that we all had where we're white-knuckling everything. definitely, And we're saying, come on in. Like, we're finally at a place where we're comfortable and we are confident that in paying somebody to help us out, we're going to be able to spend more time invested in our business instead of working in the mundane, you know, daily
1: things that aren't really moving us forward. Right. And it's so funny to look back, too, because... And that's actually one of the best advice I received at the beginning. It wasn't handed to me directly, but my mom's friend who owned this boat company that I worked for, I had since moved away. We got stations in New Jersey and... She was just on the phone with my mom talking about how she saw I started this Etsy shop and she was really excited for me. And she was like, make sure Alyssa knows that she can't do it all herself. She needs to get help. Mm -hmm. And my mom relayed the message to me. And at the time, I remember just kind of like laughing it off and thinking like, (laughs) no, but I can do it all myself, you know. And I think selfishly at the beginning, I was like, I want to be the person who's, you know, hand making this product and hand packaging and answering my customers and dealing with the post office. And Mm -hmm. I want them to know it's me and I want it as mine. And it was very selfish at the beginning to where I was like, no one could tie this bow on the package like (laughs) I can, you know, like I'm not gonna hire that out. And now it's just hilarious to look back because why would I think that no one else could tie a bow or stick a label onto a package. So I think yeah, you know, in talking to creatives too, they don't realize how much of those tasks can easily be taught to someone else Mm -hmm. on your team so that your time can be focused on, you know, what only you can do, which is further the growth of your business and expand it more. I love
0: that. And that's exactly where I was as a photographer when it came to outsourcing images. I'm like, no, like I am an artist and I created this. And the funniest part was, is I didn't even enjoy editing. So I'm like, why am I feeling this like emotional connection to it? And then what I really learned was that why would I not pay somebody who actually enjoys doing this, hmm. who can probably even do a better job than I am yeah. and serve my clients in a better way that way, which is quicker and more timely. And, you know, it's just so funny because I think we just believe all of these lies. And especially when we do have more boutique centered businesses where you do want it to feel personal and custom and unique. But I mean, it's just such a testament. You could have never experienced the growth that you have, had you still been packaging and going to the post office and tying the bows, right? (laughs) You'd be working around the clock and that would not be fun. So visit activations.com forward slash gold digger now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. So one thing I'm super excited to talk to you about, because I've just been wanting to call you to like scream into my phone about is you are in Magnolia, which obviously we have so many Joanna Gaines fans on the podcast. So I just am so curious. I know, right? If you're not a fan of hers, like you're probably not in the right place right now, but I would love to just hear about that experience. And I'm sure that was just so exciting for you and such a cool like moment for your business. So tell me about that a little bit. I'm just so curious personally
1: yeah yeah that was definitely you know still one of the biggest goals that I've gotten to kind of check off the list and I think the whole process from start to finish was probably like eight months and you know me and my husband I mean yeah obviously who isn't a chip and jojo fan these days but we had always kind of just laughed or like wished that, you know, maybe our pillows will end up in our shop one day or Mm. friends and family. I feel like the biggest things they always talk to us about is either you should go on Shark Tank or you should have your pillows in (laughs) the silos. And so it was always just kind of like a funny, like out there dream, but never actually saw it happening. And I think I said it out loud for the first time in like, as a for real goal, just in the circle of creative women and That was the first time I was like, okay, they might actually hold me accountable to this. Or they started to ask questions like, how are you going to get there? And someone even said to me, like, that's not that crazy of a goal. Like, you have home decor. She sells home decor. Like, why don't you just reach out and see if it could happen? (laughs) Which was like light bulb moment. like, oh, isn't this so easy? (laughs) Yeah, I know, right. But at the same time, it makes sense. Like, you know, she does sell home decor. She's just a person. Like, just see what will happen. So it's hilarious that I actually just went on magnoliamarket.com and started a live chat with one of their customer service representatives and just said something really cheesy, you know, probably along the lines of like, I sell home decor, I think our styles are really similar. And I'm sure you get this all the time, but we'd love to send you samples. And here's our wholesale catalog, if you could pass it along to someone and They said they would, didn't really expect an email, but slowly, you know, I think it was maybe like a week or two later, I got a response and they said, thanks for reaching out, if you could give us pricing information. And so I was really excited to get that first email, you know, and I was just like, okay, but I I think, I don't know if it's myself or my husband, but he's more of like a realist. So he's like, they're just asking for pricing, doesn't really mean anything. So we were like, not going to get excited until the very last step. It actually took three rounds of... Samples too. So we packaged up. I think one of the girls at the shop has this photo of me with like the very first box of samples. Like we were all excited to send it out the door. And they responded back that first time and just said, you know, we really love your stuff. We don't see it like being in the market right now. Definitely be in touch if you launch new items, but at this time we're going to pass. And so I remember, you know, being upset, obviously. Mm but I did exactly what they said. And a few months later, I was like, well, we just launched a line of blankets and barnwood frames. So if we could send you some more stuff, that would be great. And I think it wasn't until the third round when I put some of their logos on stuff, oh. the Magnolia House the bed and breakfast that they launched yeah. the Magnolia House logo and that was the first order they placed. They bought a pillow for every room in the Magnolia House and oh, so we were like popping champagne and all excited that <laughs> day. And then it was just they still didn't place an order for the shop though. So it was just like a constantly reaching out and checking in with them on email and Someone had taken a photo of our pillow in the Magnolia house and put it on Instagram and tagged us because our little tag was at the bottom. Sure. And so I like regrammed it and I think tagged Magnolia and it was like minutes after that they were like, oh, we forgot you made pillows and we have all these Christmas <laughs> designs that we want on our pillows. So it was just this crazy, you know, definitely a journey to get there. And like I said, I think the whole thing was like eight months from start to finish. But then they finally placed an order. I think they ordered about two to 3,000 pillows from us this Christmas season and sold out of all of them. So we were definitely – Thank you. It was an amazing goal to kind of cross off the list. And we got to take a trip there in November and – They actually were sold out when we got there, but we brought our own pillows and took a photo in front of the silos anyway.
0: (laughs) That is so great. And I love, like, thank you so much for sharing the process. Cause again, I think that, you know, social media tells us like this just happened and nothing just happens. I think one of the biggest messages I just want to like put out into the world for everyone is like, nobody had it easy. Nothing happened overnight. Nothing just like lands into people's laps. Like the people that are out there making these big things happen and having these awesome, exciting things, you know, happen. It's you didn't just wait for Magnolia to reach out to you. That probably would have never happened. I mean, not that you're not worthy of that. I'm just saying like (laughs) it wouldn't happen for anyone. And what I love is that you know, you put it out into the universe, which I think is the scariest part most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> And then you followed up and you kept following up. And I just think that that is so admirable about you, Alyssa. And I love too, that you didn't get discouraged or anything because you knew like in your heart of hearts, and I would believe the same thing that your stuff was the right fit. It just wasn't the right time. And that doesn't mean that it's never, it's just not now. And I think so many times in businesses, we get those not now messages and we file them under the never category. And it's one of the worst things we could do.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I love that your podcast is called Goal Digger because that's pretty Mm -hmm. much what this was like the perfect example for me. And it is definitely a goal. But I think it's so important to set those really crazy out there goals for yourself and then just take it back and practically say, how do I get there? You know, what are the real steps Because I can get there even as crazy as it might have sounded to me this time last year, you know, watching them on TV or something. It is something that is possible. And how am I going to get there? What are the first steps to make that happen? And then, yeah, when the no or the not yet does come, not taking it as a harsh no and taking the next steps to say, how's it going to happen now? You know, how am I going to get there?
0: Okay. I'm just going to take one moment to put out into the universe. I want Joanna Gaines to be on the podcast. This oh, that year. would be
1: amazing. That
0: is, I actually <laughs> wrote that down in my Laura Casey power sheet. There you go. Now it's that out there. It is out there. Everyone needs to go comment on her and tag <laughs> the gold digger podcast so that We can make this happen. Wouldn't that be an incredible interview? Like that would be amazing I would have so much fun. I know this (laughs) will (laughs) be. I'll call everybody and be like, let's just have a round robin discussion (laughs) with our friend Jojo. Let's all go to Waco. (laughs) That's amazing. So do you think you guys are gonna stay in New Jersey? Now your families are both in Chicago, so what does that look like for you?
1: That is a huge question. So my family actually moved to Pennsylvania, which is nice. They're pretty close by. My parents are there. They moved maybe like a year before we got stationed here. So it was all just a really cool, you know, way that the Lord worked it out so that we could be close to them. And we still go back home and visit family in Illinois, but it's so hard because we did start our business here and we have this amazing team who seriously, Mm -hmm. you know, have been a lot of our growth too. And They just kind of have become the PCB team. And like you said, they're kind of doing those tasks that I used to do at the beginning, but even better because they can kind of specialize in the shipping department or the production department or the customer service department and just really love on the customers well through their roles. So I don't know. It's hard to see our business now without them, but it's also, you know, hard to live without family super close. So it's, yeah, the ultimate life question we'll see (laughs) where the lord takes us i guess because who would have thought we'd be here years ago so who knows we'll be in a few years from now (laughs) so do you guys have a warehouse or where do you keep all of your products so we just have a studio right now. Wow. And we've been in there for, I guess, two years ever since my husband joined me. And that was another thing where I like never envisioned the business mm-hmm. to be outside Gosh. of our spare bedroom. And we've lived in a couple houses since I started the business. So first was the apartment where everything I needed for my business was in one Tupperware or one Rubbermaid bin of and course. then moved to base housing when he joined the military and just had this really tiny itty bitty bedroom that I kept my sewing machine in my computer in and then moved to the house we're in now and had a decent sized guest room and I honestly never saw it going outside of that guest room because like I said I thought I'd have kids and stop the shop and when my husband joined me since he brought on the wholesale aspect so we're selling to you know other shops and stuff now that was the first time we really had to keep inventory because yeah. a shop might order a hundred pillows and expect them to ship out you know the next day or the next week And so, with all those inventory shelves, we were like, what do we do? We don't have enough space anymore. And so, he really had to convince me to move the shop out of the house. But it just worked out. There was something in the next town over. It's up in this historic building on the third floor. We have about 1500 Square feet of space, and I remember when we moved in there. The very first day, we kind of like looked around. We brought all the belongings <laughs> that were in that spare bedroom and took up maybe like a tenth of the room. <laughs> You're like, what? Well, How build like, this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were like, well, what are we going to do in here? Like, I can do cartwheels all day. <laughs> and now we're kind of at the point where we need more space. We've way outgrown it, and. So it's exciting just to see, I mean, hopefully a warehouse or a production spaces in our very near future, but right now we're just up on the third floor in a little historic town. It's really cute, and we did open like a little brick and mortar off the side of our studio. So it's fun to have everything there. That's why I host a lot of my calligraphy classes and stuff too, but. We didn't even yes. touch on this.
0: So beyond just owning your shop and working with your husband and all of that, you also got into teaching and you do calligraphy workshops and all of your hand lettering. So talk about that transition, how it came about and kind of what that looks like in your business these days.
1: Yeah. So calligraphy is a huge part of our business now. I guess just hand lettering if you want to be more specific or technical. So I started the pillows and products and stuff like you were saying with some of the ones you have with just the basic computer generated. Not necessarily Times New Roman, but that's what everyone thinks of. (laughs) Those um, just generic Beautiful fonts. Yes. 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 So it was about six months after opening that, that I just wanted them, you know, our whole thing was to be handmade and, you know, very unique and personal. And so I wanted everything to be handmade from the very start to the very finish. And I wasn't able to kind of tweak the designs on the computer as I was if I just wrote them out by hand. And so that's actually when I learned the pointed pen calligraphy. And it's funny to think back, because again, I thought like, I'll learn this one technique, I'll get it down. I'll launch this full line of products with calligraphy, cute quotes and sayings on them. And I'll never touch a calligraphy pen again.
0: (laughs) You're funny. I know. (laughs) I don't even know. Um,
1: I fell in love with it in the process, you know, just like what it represents and just the old fashioned way you're dipping your pen in the ink and I think just everything about it. And so it definitely became a huge part of my business. I launched at the time to wedding invitation suites and that whole world of calligraphy as well. Which I still do, it's just not as big as our shop and stuff. And then it was one of those where I was like self taught and just, you know, watching YouTube videos and stalking Pinterest for any bloggers who may have blogged about their experience learning calligraphy and ordering any and every tool I could get my hands on and trying to figure out how the nib fit in the pen holder and (laughs) which ink bled on which paper and spent hours and hours teaching myself when in reality, it shouldn't take that long if someone can just show you, you know, how to hold the pen, which inks to use with which paper. And so that's why I started teaching because I think people were really interested in calligraphy and it still is, you know, now a very popular skill to have, whether you're getting married or you want to start selling your prints or anything like that, or just have a new creative outlet. And so even our little small town in Allentown, New Jersey, there's men and women every month who come and take classes in the studio and the classes are only two hours and they're able to kind of master it from there and then practice out. So it's been really fun to watch that side of it grow too. I just had a friend who is on the second floor. So we're on the third floor in this building, and she's on the second floor. And she was the first person who was like, hey, I do some art classes in my shop. Would you ever consider coming in to teach calligraphy? And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it doesn't have to be as complicated as it seems when you're trying to teach yourself. So that's when I started those classes, and they've been really fun just to watch people fall in love with it too and just see it click in the student's eyes. When it comes
0: to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. membership sites, and so much more. Were you ever nervous? Now, this is something that happened to me, like switching into education. Were you ever nervous because you were self-taught that you shouldn't become a teacher? Because oh, I yeah. think that, I mean, it's a totally valid fear. But at the same point, sometimes being self-taught means you went through even more steps to learn it, or more trial and error. And you definitely have a unique perspective and a unique ability to teach it. But did you have that fear too? Because that totally lived in me.
1: No, for sure. I mean, and I think that fear stems from two places, like one teaching them wrong and having someone come in and (laughs) like, wait, I just took a different calligraphy class. And she said something totally different. But I think also, And maybe not as much as a fear, but how come these people get to get away so easily, you know, when I had to go through all that craziness. So, but yeah, and getting over all those fears, it's just been fun. So, so what is the
0: biggest (laughs) obstacle or the hardest part about this business and just the growth and the change and the evolution of PCB over the years?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. I was thinking through this one and I think kind of the overarching word for all of it is just balance. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you hear people talk about work-life balance all the time, which is definitely important. I don't think me and my husband hurt from it as much because we both kind of, we joke that the shop is our baby and we love doing it together. And I don't know, we do have work-life balance, but it's not as necessary for us as it is for some other people. Yeah. But I think balance in just terms of like, so I, hinted on the calligraphy, the wedding aspect and all that. And I think that for a while, I struggled creatively just with finding myself, if I wanted to pursue the calligraphy path or the home decor path, and they almost became two businesses there for me for a while. And I think, you know, the home decor shop kind of as I've shared has been a really organic inspiration, just a way that You know, it was unique to my life and I turned it into something that I really do love and I am passionate about it. And it's always fun for me, always new, always exciting. And I think calligraphy too, you know, that came from a place I was inspired with just the elegance of it and the way you write with a pen. And originally it did start with a genuine desire to learn calligraphy and to just provide these really beautiful invitation suites and all that. But very quickly, the calligraphy aspect of it just became... A season of like comparison and telling myself I wasn't good enough. And there's so many calligraphers out there that it's so easy to type in, you know, calligraphy on Pinterest Mm -hmm. or Instagram and just see all these gorgeous, gorgeous work. And so I found myself in this place of like telling myself I wasn't good enough or just constantly going through rough drafts, constantly launching calligraphy lines, you know, and always redoing it. I was just never good enough for the website or the work, or even with my bride, sometimes I'd be like, Oh, wait, I just totally redid your invite suite. So it's a little bit better, you know, and just always second guessing myself. And I think that led to being drained. And I was focusing half on the one shop and half on the calligraphy stuff. And I wasn't able to really explore my creativity in ways that were unique to me. Still, I wasn't really being true to myself. And so There was a point in my business where I had to be like, which one, you know, I had to pick one or the other. And they do, they are kind of going more hand in hand. And I'm starting to explore it more now that we do have an amazing team of people who, you know, can help me balance those two better. But there was a point in the business life, maybe I think it was, actually, I know it was November of 2015, where I was like, I'm just putting calligraphy on hold. Like Mm -hmm. I love doing it for my designs. And I think that's, what's unique to me and to the shop is to put calligraphy on home decor, but home decor is really my passion. And that's where I thrive organically and not, you know, through following any competition or anything like that on social media. That was a big struggle for me for a while. And I think not necessarily that the shop suffered from it, but I wasn't able to grow it as much as I have been in the past year that was in November of 2015, when I was talking to some friends just at a conference. And I think that January is when I really kind of took the bull by the horns and grew the shop. And I've, we've seen the most growth, you know, in the last year. And so that's also due to like our team members and a lot of that stuff. But where I really see it from my perspective is just that that's my whole focus. And that's what I'm really passionate about. And that's, that's what is me. You know, it's not someone else's work trying to be portrayed into my life or my business. It's something that I actually really am passionate about and that I love. And I can see kind of the growth through that too. Thank you for sharing that. I think that is
0: so true. And I think that a lot of times, especially as creative people, we get so many ideas and none of them are bad ideas and they can always remain side passions. But once you start you know, a business, and you're making money, and you're doing something you love, and then you have another thing you love, and people are interested in it. And so you're like, this is a perfect extension. And I've had multiple projects in my life, I used to run a Midwest wedding blog. And, you know, I used to do custom orders for calligraphy. And all of a sudden, like those things became not a joy anymore. And while you're like, well, this is still somewhat profitable. I think when you can really look at how you're spending your time and how that's equating to how you're spending your weeks and your months and your years and really looking at what's bringing me the most joy while also looking at what's bringing me the most profits. And I think too, when you remove that custom aspect and you get back, I mean, you're still creating and you're still creating calligraphy. It's just not for custom clients. And I think custom can get so hard because you feel like you're trying to live up to this expectation that people are having for you. Or you're trying to make it absolutely perfect when you can visualize who that end customer is, instead of creating something you love and inviting people to be a part of it.
1: You know what I mean? Definitely. And I still get that like custom creative drive just through with, you know, home decor stuff. But when I was dipping into the wedding world, it was just Not that it was completely foreign for me, but it was there was just so many people to compare my work to where I just ultimately it just wasn't healthy for me Mm -hmm. as a creative. And I think, you know, being a small business owner, joy isn't just finding the joy in what you're doing. And it's not just so that I'm happy at work. It's so that my business thrives Mm -hmm. and that I can continue, you know, dreaming about it and finding my joy there so that it's not something that, you know, I just want to stop one day. Exactly. And I think
0: too, after a while, I always call it the gut game. And I'm like, if you're dreading a project or a shoot or you know something you committed to, if you have that in your gut, that's like telling you like, why did I say yes to this? You have to learn how to make a change because something yeah. isn't right there and you're not going to be the best version of yourself. Your clients aren't going to get your best finished product and you're going to burn out. Like there's just no question about it. And so it took it took me so long to actually like be in tune with my intuition and to acknowledge it when I was feeling those things. But once I did, I started to really be more excited about what I was doing. And I think in order to have longevity in anything, you have to keep that excitement up and you can evolve and you can change. But if you have day after day after day where you're dreading things, like something's got to give. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I love that, the gut
0: game. Oh, I follow the gut game. That's what I tell all my students. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta listen to your gut game. And, and I think too, you know, we've all been in circumstances where We've maybe had a client that just wasn't the right fit, or you make a commitment that you know, like, maybe this isn't the best way to spend my time. And, you know, there's just so many things that we encounter as business owners where sometimes we'll have those thoughts off the get-go and we just kind of belittle that voice inside of us. Yeah. Usually it's right,
1: right? (laughs) Right. And it's so tempting too sometimes because you're like, oh, but this is a really great calligraphy job or a really great shoot that I want to be involved in or you know yeah and I think for me too having the girls at work now and my husband I'm just like remind me never to do this ever again (laughs) I don't (laughs) ever want to do this yeah whenever I'm tempted you just you can be my gut game
0: (laughs) I love that it is good it's good to have that accountability too because if you make people commit to telling you when it's not the right thing (laughs) you darn better believe that they're gonna do it because they're gonna be like I'm not gonna listen to you complain (laughs) about this ever again. Exactly. (laughs) That is awesome. So before we sign off, I feel like I could talk to you forever. What is one big goal that you want to put out into the universe for this year? I would love to just give you an opportunity because I know if you put it out there, you're going to make it happen. So what is something you would love to see happen in this year, whether it's work or life or whatever?
1: Yeah, I mean, work-related, me and my husband are just dreaming about buying our own building, opening a, you know, legit brick-and-mortar, and and just, I think, you know, continuing to grow even more than we did last year, so. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and say buy a building. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, what's yours, Jenna? You know, I, so I'm throwing around the
0: idea of writing a book and it's one of those things that I I hate even saying kind of, you know, those ones are scary. I don't know what it'll look like or what it would be. And I'm really excited to have our downtime to really just think about that. And if I ever decide to do one, I'm not saying it'll be this year, but I really want to have like a very strong message and meaning behind it. I don't just want to write an autobiography. I think it would be the most boring book you ever read, but no way. Something on my radar. I don't know. It's just weird. It's one of, you know, I feel like we encounter those goals that, you know, it kind of gives you those like butterflies in your stomach. And Mm -hmm. there's all those like Pinterest quotes, like if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And you're like, yada, yada, yada. But (laughs) there are definitely some scary dreams out there. So I think it'll be a really interesting year. But isn't it funny too, to look at you today? Half the things you're doing today probably weren't even on your radar a year ago, you know, how quickly things change. So yeah. So where can everybody find you? Because I want everyone, I'm literally, I've literally been filling up a cart off of your (laughs) website while we've been talking. So where can everybody find you and shop your beautiful things and connect with you?
1: Yeah. So our website is shoppcbhome.com. Our Instagram handle is pcbhome. My personal one is Alyssa M. Thiel. And then we also just have a coupon too for any listeners that want to fill up their cart too. So you can get twenty percent off with the code Gold Digger. Gold Love Digger, it. yeah. At shopthepathhome.com, you, you
0: guys have to check out Alyssa. You have some really really cool home stuff now. Like I'm looking at these cheese boards and all oh the yeah, definitely cool they brand added. new. Well, yeah. girl, I'm going to be customer number
1: one. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Hopefully one day you. you'll see those in a big brick and
0: mortar store. Oh, I'm so proud of you. We'll fly you out here. <laughs> oh, girl, I'm in. Well, next time you're in Illinois, you call a sister up because we're not that far from the border. Yeah, so. fun. Thank <laughs> you so much for, for spending having me day on. And everyone, go check out Alyssa and PCB. And, of course, if you're ever at Magnolia, just request <laughs> PCB products in there. And maybe just maybe we can convince Joanna Gaines to come on the show. So until next time, gold diggers keep on digging your biggest goals. And as always, you can access the show notes and get links to Alyssa and her shop at gold dot
1: Thanks for listening to gold digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold-digging dream chaser, you.